4 in our summer series entitled Simplify. Simplify. We don't love Jesus well when we're in a hurry. That's what we learned the very first week. The greatest command in all of God's Word is this. You ready? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Uh, we say this side of the cross, the, the God that we love, that we serve, it's Jesus Christ. And we can't love Jesus well when we're in a hurry. Hurry is the death of Bible study. Hurry is the death of prayer. Hurry is the death of koinonia with Jesus. Hurry is the death of getting and staying filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in a hurry. And I'm just saying we need to understand that and believe that. Uh, we also don't love family and friends well when we are rushing. The second greatest command, according to Jesus, Mark chapter 12, love your neighbor as yourself. And it's nearly impossible to be kind and patient and gentle and walk around with the joy of the Lord when you're always rushing. Well, I might be the exception. No, you're not. No, no, no I'm not. When we're rushing and in a hurry, we don't love others well. Rather, I, I would argue, we're probably knocking them down and harming them because we're in a rush. We're late. We must ruthlessly eliminate hurry and rush from our lives. That was week one. Week number two, we talked about margin. Margin is the difference between my load and my limits. How much you got going on in your life and how much can you handle? And by the way, we all have limits. Limits might be different, but the Lord created us with limits. Margin is leaving 15 minutes early because there might be heavy traffic. Because something unexpected might just happen. Margin is waking up 15 minutes early to pray and read my Bible and get connected to Christ and allow his power and his presence to take charge of my life. Margin is not something that just happens. You don't just, oh, look at this. I've got some extra margin. Margin is something you have to fight for. You're going to have to work at it. Three practical steps to margin. No one except your limits. You can't do everything. You're going to have to pick and choose, create some space. Secondly, you're going to have to learn to say no. Some of us were easy yeses. You know that, right? And people take advantage of that. You're going to have to learn to say no. Rick Warren said the greatest time saver in life for many of us is to learn to say no. The reason you have no margin is because you're always saying yes, even to the things you shouldn't be saying yes to. Third, prune your schedule regularly. Look over uh, every activity and also expect the unexpected. There's always going to be things that you didn't plan on, and if you have margin, you can deal with that. But I've learned I can't be kind and patient in traffic when I'm running behind. I, I can be gentle and kind when I have a little margin, but when I'm running late, I'm angry. I'm shouting. I'm talking bad to them, okay? Uh, just telling you that's the way it is. Last week we talked about 
contentment. Uh, contentment is accepting from God's hand what he sends my way because I know that he's out for my good. I know that he's never failed me once, and the Lord has never failed you once. So contentment is accepting that and being okay with what the Lord allows to come my way. The challenge of contentment is today we live in the one of the most wealthy nations at one of the wealthiest times in all of history, perhaps the most wealthy. Uh, some people would argue that. Anyway, there's never been a time with such abundance. There's never been a time when people are blessed or cursed with so much stuff. And you need to know corporations hire genius marketers and advertisers, and they pay hundreds of billions of dollars to make you and I discontent. You understand what that, that's what they're doing. They're showing us you got to have this, and you don't have this yet, and you don't have the latest version of this, and you just have to have this shiny, better, faster gizmo gadget, and if we don't have it, what are we? I'm, I'm not content anymore. I, 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 want, I want that. I, I have to have that. Uh, the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, verse 13, says there's a secret of staying content. It's what it's all leading up to, Philippians 4, 13. The secret of contentment is Jesus in me, Jesus in you. The secret of contentment is allowing the power of Jesus in me to drive out the discontent. That's the secret that Paul tells us about. And that verse is used in a lot of crazy ways, but it means the power, the dynamite, that's literally the Greek word dynamis, we get dynamite, the power, the dynamite in us to drive out the discontent and help me to remain content, whatever the situation, even on my worst days. So how do we extinguish discontent? Gave you four ways. First, uh, make sure the dynamite, the power of Jesus is daily activated a lot of us are walking around most days, there's no power. <laughs> there's no Jesus alive and working in me. Most days, many of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, uh, we're in charge of our lives instead of the power of Christ. Uh, secondly, Hebrews 13.5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Keep your lives free. There's a connection between loving money and contentment. And I'm just telling you, if you're loving money, then you're living in the land of discontent. And you, you, you got to say, can, can, you can never have enough money. John D. Rockefeller, one of the richest men in all of American history, they asked him, how much, how much money is enough? You know what he said? Just one more million. <laughs> Just got to have one more. You can never have enough if you love money. Got to have the next iPhone. Got to have the newest, better, best thing that I'm chasing after. The third way to drive out discontentment is the last part of Hebrews 13.5. Uh, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Now, just think on that for a moment. No matter what you're facing, good day, bad day, awful day, the good shepherd's there with you. 
And if you hold on tight to that fact, Lord, you're here. You allowed this into my life. You've never failed me once. And you know what you're doing. You're going to walk through the bad day, the valley with me. I'm telling you, it gives you strength. He promises never to leave or to walk away. And finally, we said the uh, final suggestion last week, uh, make sure you're living out Colossians 3.16. And you might want to underline that in your Bible. It's a good one. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach, admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in your hearts. Singing brings gratitude. Gratitude drives out discontent. Got it? So you shouldn't be just singing here on Sundays. I hope you're singing all week long. And I suggested to you, if you've got a, if you've got a phone that will play some music, get yourself a grateful, thankful playlist. Get, get something on your iPhone where you can drive out the discontent. Which brings us to today. Okay, that was all just preamble. How do you like that, huh? Week number four, simplify. Uh, we're going to look at a very familiar but I think instructive passage. Luke chapter 10. Would you take your phone or locate it in your Bible? Luke chapter 10. Perhaps the only time in Scripture that Jesus confronts somebody who's hurried and stressed and rushing and overwhelmed. And he's got some things to say about that. Stand with me if you're able. Let's see what Jesus has to say to those of us who are running on empty and driving in the fast lane. You ready? Verse 38, let's read together. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your book and for allowing us to study and learn and be corrected and instructed. And Lord, I, I pray that you might challenge and convict and even rebuke where it's necessary. Pray especially for those who are here who are feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and their tanks are on or near empty. Would you speak extra loud and clear to them today, Lord? Help Jeff to get out of the way. Lord, we need to hear from you and your word today. Show us your plan for running this race called life. And Lord, would you show us specifically what that plan looks like for each of us as individuals? And 
And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus, remember him? John chapter 11, the one who, uh, Lazarus, come forth and he comes out of the tomb. Well, he's missing from this story. So he, he belongs in uh, this story, but uh, I'm not sure. I, I think that Martha sent him to the grocery store. I think, I think Lazarus is getting croutons and butter because she forgot to get them, and he's probably at Myers while all of this is going on, okay? But he belongs with Mary and Martha. Um, I'd like to say before we dig in that I think Martha has the gift of hospitality. And I believe that Martha was trying to exercise her gift of hospitality. I think she has good motives, So before we look at some negative sides of Martha's behavior, I just want to say I think she wants to present an amazing meal to Jesus and her friends, and that was the motive behind everything that's going on here. Okay, so let's dig in. Martha frantically trying to prepare the meal, and you get a little picture of that, uh, She's got the rolls in the oven. She's got salad that needs to be tossed. Uh, The table hasn't been set yet, and the meat isn't quite done yet, okay? Now, Martha's still thinking all the things. She might even have her list over there. Got to get topping on the dessert. Lazarus will be back soon with the croutons and the butter. Sweat's rolling down her face. You're picturing Martha, and she'd like to get flowers on the table, Then Martha, as she's locating the basket to put the rolls in, looks out in the living room and she can't believe it. She can't believe what she sees. Mary, her sister, is just sitting at Jesus' feet. And what is she doing? Tell me what she's doing. In her mind, you're doing nothing, girlfriend. What are you doing? That lazy, good-for-nothing sister of mine just sitting there and doing nothing. And the meat needs to be sliced, and the water needs to be fetched, and the table needs to be set. And Martha snaps. She literally blows a gasket and comes unglued. I I would argue there is no fruit of the Spirit going on in Martha's life at this moment. She's angry, and she's ticked. As she storms into the room, and that's exactly, she bursts into the living room. Jesus is sitting and enjoying conversation with Mary and more than likely some of the friends. He spent a long day teaching and being challenged by the Pharisees. So he's been in Jerusalem. Now they're just outside Jerusalem. Look at verse 40, and look who Martha goes after first. This is, this is interesting. Lord. She's going after Jesus. Lord, don't you care, my sister? Have you noticed when you're mad at somebody, you don't even want to call them by name? Go talk to my wife. Go talk to, you you don't even want to call her by, don't you care, my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Jesus, don't you care? So, So she goes after Jesus first. 
pause. <laughs> Jesus Christ is God with skin on, the second person of the Trinity, who has left the glory and the splendor of heaven and has took on human form. He spent all day teaching and responding, and he's exhausted. And now can you just see Martha's finger wagging, <laughs> shaking her finger at the Son of God, at the sec right in, do you see the moxie uh, to tell Jesus what to do? Jesus, tell that lazy sister of mine, get out here and help me. Tell her now, son of man, prince of peace, get her in here. She's lazy. She, she should be in here helping me. Messiah man, I'm working my fingers to the bone. I'm still shaking my finger at you, Jesus. So here's my question. What would you have done if you were Jesus right then? Just think in your head. And, and I've thought of a few things. And isn't it a good thing that we're not God? <laughs> Is it not a good thing that we're not the ones that at times are being mistreated? Because, wow. Anyway. Verse 41, notice how gentle and patient and kind that Jesus is with Martha. Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're upset about many things. You've got, you got a lot going on out there in the kitchen, uh, but he doesn't rebuke her for her hard work. Instead, he says, you're all worked up about lots of things, Martha, but I want you to know that really, Verse 42, only one thing is needed. Really, only one thing is necessary. Verse 42, danger, rushing, doing good things, no time or energy for doing the best. Danger, rushing to do good things, but missing out on the best. Martha, I didn't come to your house for a seven-course meal. Martha, I didn't come here uh, to enjoy all of your gourmet talents. I came to visit and enjoy your friendship and your fellowship. I came to enjoy you and be present with you. I I'm not sending Mary out to rush around about a dozen things that really don't matter, is what Jesus said. Martha, why don't you come out here and sit down with us? Do you see what Jesus says? Calm down. Martha, why don't you come and relax and sit at my feet as well? Your heart is full of resentment and frustration. Jesus says Mary has chosen the best, the better things. She's enjoying time with me. She's listening and talking and conversing and having koinonia with me. Martha, that's the best. That's the best. Now, what's interesting, if you have your Bible or your phone, I want you to go back to Luke 10, what Dr. Luke records just before a volcanic Martha comes unglued, okay? Uh, go back to verse 25, Luke chapter 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan, okay? Just before he records this episode with Martha exploding, he records the Good Samaritan where 
who's my neighbor? And then he says, well, there's this man. He's been beaten by robbers and left for dead on the side of the road. The priest and the Levite are too busy. The priest and the, the religious guys are too hurried. They're too rushed to be bothered. They pass by on the other side of the road. But the Samaritan sees someone in need, and he helps them. What's the message? As followers of Jesus, we should be like the Samaritan and be willing to jump in, being inconvenienced, even when you might be rushed and hurried. got to have some margin for that so that you can help out those that you see that are in need. So here's the question. Are you ready? Which is it, Jesus? Okay. Which is it, Jesus? Which is it, Clint? There we go. Stop and serve or sit at Jesus' feet? Because you got me a little confused. You're telling me that in the Good Samaritan story, we should stop and help and be willing to serve and, and get involved. And then with Mary and Martha, you're saying, no, no, you need to sit at the feet of Jesus and don't be so worried about rushing around and doing stuff. Okay? Um, here's the answer. Jesus said what Mary chose was better because she filled her tank, her spiritual tank, and then was willing to serve. You tracking with me? In other words, fill your tank first, and then you go and serve. Say it with me. Fill your tank, then go and serve. You might want to write this down somewhere because we get this wrong like daily. We jump into the serving and we forget to fill our spiritual tank. And what he's saying is, no, no, what happened was she's upset. Martha is irritable, exhausted, full of resentment, overwhelmed, rushed. Why? She didn't spend any time at Jesus' feet first. She didn't get her spiritual tank first filled, and therefore, she's on empty. She's depleted, and now she's serving, and she's resentful, and she's exhausted, and she's, she's angry. Do you understand? When you serve before you first go get your tank filled, it's going to take you some bad places. Remember, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mark chapter 12, that was week one. That's the first command. And if you rush into the second command before you've spent time with Jesus in the living room, it's going to be bad. And I'm just telling you, so often we rush into the serving, we rush into the kitchen before we've spent time with Jesus in the living room. You've got to spend time with Jesus getting your tanks filled in the living room first, and then you can move into the sweaty kitchen and serve and love your neighbor. These commands are always in this order. And I would argue that many of us, we love to serve, and then we wonder why we're exhausted and overwhelmed, and we're frustrated with everybody around us. You know why? Because we're attempting to serve with an empty tank. 
until you get your spiritual tank filled with Jesus and his spirit and allow his fruit to flow, then you're attempting to serve in your own power and your own strength, and that never works well. Here's a question. What are you like when you've neglected sitting at Jesus' feet? Okay? And I can tell you, um, you're impatient, although you might not show it. You are resentful. You, after a bit, are going to be overwhelmed, stressed, exhausted. You're going to be a fairly ugly person to be around in short order when you walk around trying to serve on an empty tank. How, how do you know that? Because it's true for all. In our own flesh, we don't do well. We're resentful. We've got bad attitudes. Why aren't those people pulling their weight? Why aren't they serving like they should be serving? When we try to serve others and our tanks are depleted, it's bad. It is. We will in time burn out. We'll destroy relationships. We want to serve and show love, but I feel stressed. I feel overwhelmed. I, I, I feel at the end of my rope, tracking. Now here's what you've got to realize on some really hard days, John. You might have to go back and get refilled with Jesus two or three times during the day. That's, that's the problem. Some of you start out well, but then the tank goes empty, and you need to go back and reconnect with Christ and once again allow him to take charge. Replenish your tank. Otherwise, you're just going to quit and go into auto mode and just try and survive. And some of us here today, we're just in auto mode. We're just trying to survive. You know people around you, they need to see Jesus. They need to see you splashing the love of Christ. But you're hurried, you're racing, you're rushed, you're exhausted. Give me your eyes. Why is that? Because you haven't sat at the feet of Jesus first. You've got to get that. And then serve. And then splash. And then take care of your neighbors. But, but you have to take care of your own self first in, in the sense that you're walking and connected and abiding and filled with Jesus and his spirit. So when it comes to serving your neighbor, when it comes to serving your family, who's your family? Start with your husband, your wife, your parents, your children, your, uh, the people around you, the people at work. Start with the people at school, uh, the people next door, the people in your community small group. Um, are you enjoying serving and loving around those people? Or is there quite a bit of the time you're resentful? <laughs> you're a little ticked. The difference between serving with a loving and a willing and a giving heart and serving with a resentful heart is how good you've gotten at replenishing your tank. Do you understand? It's all the difference in the world. Otherwise, we're like that Levite and that priest, and we come upon a situation, and I really could help this person, um, but I'm worn out. I'm worn out, and I have no margin. Uh, I think I'm just going to pass by on the other side. And we're passing by a lot. Why? Because I haven't done the first thing first. I haven't went and sat with Jesus in the living room before I go in the kitchen and I'm ready to serve. Again, 
When, when we are empty, we yell and snap like Martha. Some of you, you withdraw and get passive. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And you just kind of go with the flow. Uh, some of, of us, we overeat. When we're on empty, we overdrink, we overmedicate, we overspend. It's amazing when you're on empty, all the places you'll go to to fill what only Jesus can fill the tank of your life. Do you understand? We, we put in here some incredibly foolish things that only Jesus can fill on a daily basis. None of us do well when our tanks are empty. Matter of fact, you need to say that. I don't do well when my Jesus tank is empty. Say it like you mean it. Now, I don't do well. I really don't. When my Jesus tank is empty, when you're living on fumes and exhausted, we do and say stupid and dangerous things. Some of you, you're on empty, and you've been running on empty for a long time. Where's your level this past week? If we caught you on Wednesday, how would you have tanked then? At the end of the day, how was your tank? Uh, second question, what do you need to do to get your tank full and stay full? Because your life and schedule is not like mine. It's not like the people. You have to figure out, Lord, what do I need to do? What adjustments must I make in order to love and serve people around me without resentment? Let me just give you a few thoughts as we close, okay? Um, how do you get refilled? How do you get your tank filled and refilled? How do I avoid an empty, depleted Jesus tank? Ready? First of all, you need to be convinced that the most important priority for your life is to daily sit at Jesus' feet. Okay? Until that's the most important thing, this is probably going to continue to be a problem. Until you're fully convinced... When I'm on empty, it's not good. It's not happy for me. It's not happy for... Uh, until that becomes the priority of your life, daily getting and staying connected, and then later in the day when you notice you've disconnected and now suddenly the tank is empty again, I need to go and find a way to get reconnected. And I know I talk about the bathroom a lot, but it's a locked place. It's usually a quiet place. Flip the fan on if there is one, and just talk with the Lord. I'm just telling you, you got to find a way to do that. Get into God's Word. Uh, Christian music helps. Uh, I'm just saying, you need to find a way to get into the presence of Christ. This one helps me. I know not all of you can do this. Just physically, you can't. But a while ago, I realized... Back in ancient days, when you came into the presence of the king, um, you didn't just say, hey, king, how you doing? <laughs> Remember, uh, kings held the authority and the power of life. So minimum, if you came into the presence of kings, what would you do? Get on your knees, um, and I'll, I'll do it because the Lord's asking me to do it. But even more often, if he was a king and you really wanted to show respect, are you ready? You get on your face before the king, and you worship him. And for me, 
I don't do that when anybody's around except for right now. <laughs> Frankly, I lock the door because it just feels weird. Uh, even my wife, what you doing? Uh, I'm worshiping the king. Uh, yeah, okay, she usually says. Uh, but for me, that works. So however you can get it to your head, uh, this is real, this is serious, and I'm just telling you, it's not terribly comfortable when you're over 50, but it's, it's good. Uh, it's good. Um, I talked about this last week, but for me, music is key. So I would just say to you, uh, somehow get some good Jesus-honoring, Christ-focused, biblical music into your head and, and washing over your heart. That, that's huge, I'm just telling you. And, and it's amazing once, once you start singing, and even if it's in the background softly, it, it's good stuff. Uh, another thought or two, when you are setting the alarm for the next morning, how many of you need to set an alarm? I know some of you have an inner alarm. You don't have to do that. I've never been blessed with that. Um, Got to have an alarm. Would you consider maybe 10 or 15 minutes earlier than normal? Which might mean, are you ready? Which might mean, if that's going to work, you might need to go to bed 10 or 15 minutes earlier. Okay? But I promise you, are you ready? That 10 or 15 minutes is not the difference between being rested or not. Okay? Somehow in my head, if I could just have that extra 10 minutes, then I'll, I'll wake up fully awake. No, that's a lie. Get up and actually wake up, and then you can go and sit at Jesus' feet and you can reconnect, and you can read his book, and you can have a conversation, and you're not in a hurry starting off the morning. It's like the worst way to start off a morning. And finally, maybe some of you have been running on empty for quite a while, and maybe you need to say you're sorry, first of all, to the Lord. <laughs> Do you understand? The Lord gave us the capacity to walk around with him fully in control, streams of living water, ready to splash, ready to be empowered by him, and to say, no, I think I can do it on my own and just forget about it. Maybe you just need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry I've been operating on empty, my own power, for so long. Uh, tell Jesus that was wrong, that needs to change. Maybe you need to tell some family and friends. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I know I've been frustrated and irritable and overwhelmed and, and stressed. But by God's grace, I, I want to get filled with Jesus, and that's going to change. Okay? When followers of Jesus walk around with full tanks, listen, that's where eternal fruit stuff happens. Do you understand? You want to make a difference in your life? You want the one and only life you get, you want to make a difference in this world? Then first, this has to become the priority. I'm going to get connected to you, Jesus. I'm going to spend time with you and allow you to take charge, and I'm going to allow your Holy Spirit to flow through me, and that's when the unchurched sit up and take notice. The best thing in life is to daily make some time to sit at Jesus' feet. That's what Jesus says here. That's the best thing. Martha, it's good you're serving, but you forgot the best. You forgot to come sit at my feet before you launch off and start serving. 
get recharged for life. And then church, then let's go and serve and love and splash and make a difference. First things first, (laughs) make sure your tank's not depleted. Let's pray. Speak, Lord. We're listening right now to your still small voice. And I'm asking that you might apply your word to our lives right now. We're listening. Is it possible you've been walking around most of the time with a, an empty or a near empty tank? Feeling irritated and resentful, overwhelmed, exhausted, rushing and stressed? Lord, could, is that me? So what needs to change? Lord, would you give us insight for me to find time to every day to make the priority to sit at your feet? What adjustments need to happen? Do I need to switch radio stations, Lord? If so, I'm willing. Do I need to get up 15 minutes earlier? I'm willing. Do I need to go to bed 30 minutes earlier? Count me in. Lord, if I need to Switch activities when I'm alone in my bathroom. If I need to quit uh, playing games and on the book of faces and then Lord, instead, Lord, talk to you, I'm okay with that. Count me in. Whatever is needed, keeping my tank full of your son Jesus and his spirit is the priority. Anybody say, Lord, you're talking to me. I've heard you, and I'm ready to respond. Anybody just lift up your hand. I'm going to pray for you right now as we close. Yep. Others of you. That's me. Mm-hmm. Balcony, anybody up there? Talking to me, Lord. I'm hearing from you. Lord Jesus, help us to understand that only a few things in life are necessary. And when you get right down to it, only one. To sit at your feet, listening. Sharing, loving, drinking deeply. Thank you for the privilege of sitting at those nail-scarred feet. Grant us the grace never to regard this privilege casually. Lord, help us to make it the priority of our lives and not neglect it. Lord, make us to come hungry and humbly and often. Because you're worthy to be adored and loved and worshipped. And Lord, we've proven over and over and over we don't do well when we don't come first and get full of you. Thanks for listening. Pray for my friends who just responded. Work powerfully. In Jesus' faithful name we pray. Amen. Stand and worship at Jesus' feet as his church. Lord, I need you.